0: Today, we are continuing on the book of Philippians. On the book of Philippians. It is a wonderful book. I I like the book of Philippians. How many of you have have, uh, read through Philippians at least twice? The whole book, at least twice? Uh, At least twice. uh. So many people. Uh, At least twice uh, in your lifetime. I'm sure you have read more than that, okay? Um, This book here talks about, one keyword is about, joy. So if you want, you're lacking joy in your heart, in your life, you should read this book. Because the joy is not depending about feelings. It's about the state of mind and the assurance that God has put in your heart here. Warren Wisby in his book and his commentary on this book, uh, Philippian, he outlined these books here into four, uh, uh, four keywords which I'm going to share with you. Basically, he said this, in our, in our lives on earth, We will have joy. But Satan will put various ways, the so-called thieves, that will steal away your joy. There are four thieves, and then you talk about four policemen that God has placed in our heart, in our mind, to protect us. So let me just share with you. So this is a good outline for you as you read through uh, Philippians. Next slide. Next one. Okay. Chapter 1. The first thief is circumstances. In other words, if things don't go your way, you feel unhappy. Things turn bad, circumstances. And then the joy in chapter 1, the policeman is being single-minded. Single-minded. We I mean, have talked about that. That is to realize that for me to live is Christ. It's not dependent on circumstances, but it depends on whether Christ is exalted. I am here to live not for the circumstances. I am here to live for Jesus Christ. Then chapter 2, they are another joy stealer that is people. People irks us. That's what we're going to talk about today. And what is the policeman? It is to having a submissive mind. Submitting ourselves to, to God. And the key verse is have this mindset, same as Christ, for he humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, verses 5 to 8. So that's the second uh, joy stealer. And the second Policeman. The third one, things. When we don't have, we feel that sometimes we need to have certain things. And the things, we don't have those things, earthly things, we feel that we are lacking that satisfaction, lacking that joy. So it's about having a spiritual mind. Uh, the policeman about spiritual man. And the key verse is, I press towards the goal God has called me heavenward. My life is not just on earthly things, but I put my mind on heavenly things. The third, the fourth one, another thief, that is worry. We worry about a lot of things. And the policeman is having a secure mind. You are secure in Christ. There are several passages, but I just pick one here, is that I can do all things to Christ who, sent, who strengthens me. I have this secure mind because Christ is the one who strengthens me. So this will give you a very good, um, overview. So go home today. I encourage us, read through Philippians. Very easy. You just stand a little bit longer. Those of you who have the habit of reading in the, on the throne, uh, just spend a little bit longer. You can finish in one st- in one true. In one st- but you don't have to read it there. You can read it anywhere. And the Bible is always available on your handphone. Living the joyful life. And today, we're going to talk about uh, People. People irk us. Sometimes if, uh, I heard a one person say, that, oh, I'm looking for the perfect church. Is there a perfect church anywhere? And his friend say, uh, if you found a perfect church, don't go in. The moment you enter, you mess it up. Why? Because none of us is perfect. <laughs> okay? None of us, there's no such thing as perfect church. But some people say, church, I can tahan, or church, I can endure. It's the people that I cannot. But church consists of people. When there is people, there will be conflict. When there is conflict, there will be uh, a misery and then your joy will be stolen, so-called. The secret of joy, in spite of the differences and the conflicts with people, is having a submissive mind. Philippians chapter 1, where Paul talks about putting Christ first. Chapter 2, he talks about putting others first. And in this chapter... Paul will give three examples: Jesus Christ, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Today, I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. Next week, uh, Vincent will talk about Timothy and Epaphroditus, about how these people are having a submissive mind. There was once a man; uh, he's very proud, and one day he was very excited. He came home. He said, "I got promoted to the vice president of my company." He go around boasting everywhere. Vice president here, yeah, vice president, telling everybody, his wife he got a bit uh, irked about it, of his bragging and say that, listen, husband, it's not a big deal. You know, these days, every every person is a vice president. You look at the local supermarket, they even have a vice president of peace, P-E-A, okay? P-E-A, vice president of peace in the supermarket. So this husband was a bit discouraged. Why you burst my bubble? So he called the supermarket. He said, excuse me, can I speak to the vice president of peace? And the reply came, uh, Department of Frozen? Or fresh. <laughs> so people, sometimes they want to be somebody. They want to be proud. They want to be somebody. And that's what happened to the Church of Philippians. They have a wrong teaching coming in. Besides the wrong teaching, they also have internal conflict. And the internal conflict was so bad that Paul had to mention the two persons' name in chapter 3. Who are these two persons? You go and read about it. And beside these two, the people were also quarreling. And Paul say the key, it's about humility. Next slide. We're going to read together now, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit, and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambitions or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Each of you to the interests of others. Um. During the nineteenth century, there was a particular famous black uh, professor. He became the first president of a. Institute called Tuskegee Institute, which later became the Tuskegee uh, University in Alabama. It still existed today. And uh, one day, he was walking into, uh, at that time, walking into exclusive sections of the town, and then he went to a shop, he was shopping. And then there was a white lady came to him and said, excuse me, uh, would you like to earn some extra dollar? I got some odd job for you to do. The guy, thought. Um, the guy, his name is Mr. Washington. Mr. Washington thought, say, since I um, I have some time, so okay, what's the chore? So I asked him to go and cut wood. So he went to cut the woods, and then he piled the woods. And he was cutting the woods, putting the woods. There was a small girl who recognized this was a renowned professor and told the lady, hello, this is a renowned pro- pro- professor. The lady was so embarrassed. And then the lady, uh, the next day, went to the university, to his office, and began to uh, apologize profusely. And this is what Mr. Washington replied. It's perfectly all right, ma'am. Occasionally, I enjoy a little minor labor. Besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. He was a humble guy, though he was a professor, mistaken as an odd job worker. But he take it with strife. Take it with strife. And the woman uh, was warmly touched, and then through her later, He was able to encourage more people to donate to this university. So, humility is the key uh, to unity. So here, Paul started off with four ifs. If, 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 if. And it's about four, not just if in terms of conditional, but this if seems to be implying the reality. Since, since. What Paul is saying is that since there are so much encouragement in Christ, since, Christ's love has such tremendous uh, persuasiveness in your lives. Since the Holy Spirit brings us all together a wonderful fellowship, since there's so much affection and tender mercy in Christianity, since you have so much going on for you, can you learn to get along with each other? Can you make my joy complete? These Philippians have already making Paul's joy, giving Paul a lot of joy. Paul said that, can you make it to the overflowing how? By being united. Later on, he mentioned four clauses to show the unity that he's talking about there. What are the four words there? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit, being one mind. Four things to describe about this, uh, this uh, idea of unity. And then he said that, do nothing out of selfish ambitions or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. Don't look only to your own interests but the interests of others too. How would you define humility? Some people think that humility means uh, you let people step all over you. Humility means that you have something you say, no lah, no lah, no lah. Hey, it's your you you look very good. No lah, no lah, no lah. Vincent look better. Uh, it's It's not about that. Humility is having a secure you are secure in who you are. And because of your security in who you are, therefore, you are able to consider the interests of others. You don't need to satisfy your interests. You can put aside. You don't need to seek your own selfish thing. You can set aside. And then you can concentrate on the needs of other people. You are secure. So what if I don't look the best? So what? It's okay. I am secure. And that's what Paul it's talking about here. It's about this security. And then he quote the example. The next, in verses 6 to 11, he quote an example of Jesus Christ here. Let me just uh, read to you. Next slide. Uh, verse 5 to verse 11. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset. Some uh, The older translation put it as attitude as Christ Jesus, who by being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in a human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and give him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. The Father. Scholars have, as you read the way these particular verses here are put together, if you look at the NIV, if you look carefully, uh, it is not put in straight. Correct. It is right in like a poem style. Okay? It's truncated. So, in fact, this is like a, a hymn or a poem. A scholar believed that this was not the word of Paul, but rather it was a common hymn that was being sung back then. It was a very common hymn. And Paul quoted that particular hymn to highlight the example of Jesus Christ, how he was a humble person. Therefore, you can learn from his example. If you experience him, then you can learn to be uh, to this particular uh to be humble yourself. Let's look at this particular uh, verses here. First one, he thinks of others, not himself. Verses 5 to 6. Have the same mindset as Christ, who then by the very nature God did not consider himself equality with God. Mindset as Christ. This mindset as Christ is an attitude that says that I cannot keep my privilege for myself I must use it for others. And I do this. And to do this, I'm gladly willing to lay aside and pay whatever price necessary. Whatever price necessary. Look, Christ Jesus, he, was, he is God. But yet, He was willing to set aside the self-will use of His deity when He became a man. As a God, He have all rights to a deity. But when He becomes a man, He set this aside. Why? He was confined by a few things. First, he was confined by being in the form of a man, going through birth all the way to adulthood, being taken care of. And secondly, somebody was saying that Christ had to enter into time. I'll talk more about, about this later. He was willing to set aside his deity power For who? For you and I. And he didn't use it to his own personal comfort. Not for once, Christ transformed the hard stone into soft bed. In fact, at the wave of a hand, remember the guy, the the soldiers who spitted at him, he could have just waved his hand only the the, the spit boomerang back to that person. He did not. He did not do that. Or when the soldier tried to put the crowns of thorn on him, he just looked up, eyebrow, think, the crown go back to the other person. No, he did not do it. If he, but if he were to do that, you would look very cool. <laughs> but he did not. In fact, the coolest thing is that he did it, he laid it aside. Why? It's for you. It's for me. It's for you. I'd like to read to you a poem. I'm not a person, I'm not a poem type of person. But this particular poem touched me. I want to share it with you. It's about Christ. The diadem of pain who slice your gentle face. Three spikes piercing flesh and wood to hold you in your place. The need for blood, I understand. Your sacrifice, I embrace. But the bitter sponge, the cutting spear that spit upon your face. Next. Did it have to be a cross? Did not a kinder death exist Then six hours hanging between life and death, all spurred by your betrayer's kiss. Oh, Father, you you pose. Heart still at what could be. I'm sorry to ask, but I long to know. You do this for me? I hope you will hear a whisper. Yes, I did it just for you. I did it just for you. He didn't think about himself. He think about you and I. He was willing to lay aside the usage of some of His deity power for you and I to become a man. Next, He serves. He didn't just come in the form of a man, He serves. Verse 7, Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and made in a human likeness. Thinking of others is not enough. He went down all the way Serve. He made himself nothing. Literally means he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Here he's talking about he's putting aside his self interest, not putting aside his deity. He's still fully God and he's still fully man. But there are various steps that he was willing to take to go himself lower and lower. First, God, he became man. And after a man, he became a servant. And he go lower, not just and it is a servant, he, became, he become death, die on, for us. He didn't just die, he died on the cross, the worst kind of uh, uh, punishments. And then God raising him up. One step after another. Why? It's for you. It's for you. It's for me. And if you look at the Gospel of John, how Jesus Christ um, showed his servanthood Very easily, when he mentioned that Jesus Christ knew he was from God, he was secure, and he's going back to the Father. What did he do? Knowing this knowledge, he took the towel, he girded himself, he washed the disciples' feet. He was secure enough about himself, and then he was willing to serve. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many And then they talk about the likeness of man. He was fully God. At the same time, he was fully man. How can this be? It is a mystery. It is a mystery that no one can understand. It's a mystery. He was fully God and he was fully man. But yet, he was bound by time. Jesus Christ, I read this from Max Lucado book here. I find it's so well written here. He said this, Jesus Christ swapped eternity for calendars. He swapped eternities for calendars. God has never been bound by time. But when Jesus Christ came to earth, all changed. For the first time, He heard the phrase, never used before in heaven. What is that phrase? Your time is up. Your time is up. Because why? He was from eternity to eternity. He's not bound by time. But when He came to earth, He was bound by time. As a child, He had to leave the temple because His time was up. As a man, he had to leave Nazareth because his time was up. As a saviour, he had to die because his time was up. For 33 years, the stallion of heaven lived in an enclosed of time. Why? He did it just for you. He did it just for you. He think about you, he think about others, he serves. Next, he sacrifice. Verse 2. Being formed in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Many people may be willing to serve others when it costs them little or nothing. But when there's a price to pay, people tend to back off. People tend to to back off when there's a price to pay. I remember one of my uh, Bible college uh, teachers said this. The crucible of love is inconvenience. The crucible of love is inconvenience. When it inconveniences you a lot and yet you're willing to do it, then let's talk about sacrificial love. And that's what Christ is all about. He sacrificed. He went through death on the cross. He was not allowed a natural death on the bed. Neither was it an accidental death. He died the same shameful death on the cross. Crucifixion at that time was the most degrading penalty. It was an offensive nature of the Christian message. In fact, it was so offensive that the pious Jews, as well as the Romans at that time, refused to accept. How can this be? The cross. The cross. And if you look at the cross, very interesting. It's on top of the chapel. Our church uh, is behind this, uh, behind this screen. There is a cross, by the way. <laughs> From outside, you see it's a cross. And then you see a cross everywhere on the Christian graveyard, in, engraved on the ring. People wear it in a chain. It is a universal uh, symbol of Christianity. In fact, it is an odd choice. You may have heard this before. But if you look, compare our symbol with other religions, other religions seems to be more upbeat. Like the five pointed star of David or the crescent moon of the Islam. A six, not five, six pointed star. I see here six. Why I say five. Okay. (laughs) Maybe it's noon lunchtime. Okay. And then there is a lotus blossom of Buddhism. All this seems to be more upbeat for Christianity, an instrument of execution. Imagine wearing an electric chair or a noose around your neck and then on your your business card you put down there uh, firing squad. You don't do that. And then some even make it as a sign after they pray. As a sign. It's a nice sign. Imagine making a sign of or after you pray Amen. That's what it means then. That's what it means then. When they pray, and then you make that sign because that's what the cross meant. It was a humiliating death. And Christ had to do that. The cross. Why? For you. For me. If you look at the cross, it's a very interesting. There is a horizontal bar, horizontal bar, and there is a vertical bar. The horizontal bar talks about the extent of God's love. The vertical bar talks about the height of God's holiness. And then there's a cross section. It is at the cross where God's love and God's holiness intersect. That is the cross. God can satisfy His holiness because He have to punish sins. And God can show His love because He became the punishment. Why? It's for you. It's for me. And if you look at the Gospel, it is a beautiful thing. And the more you look at the Gospel, the more you look at the cross, the more you see as an example, not just as an example, as an inspiration for you to be humble, to consider the interests of others better than yourself. Look at this hymn here. It is the Gospel in a nutshell. The Gospel can transform us because it takes us away from ourselves, away from our performance to what Christ did. We are so evil, we are so sinful and so flawed that Jesus Christ had to die for us. We are so lost that nothing less than the death of the divine Son could save us. Yet at the same time, we are so loved and valued that He was willing to die for us. The Lord of the universe loved us enough to do this. So the gospel humbled us into dust, yet at the same time exalt us into heaven. We are sinners, completely loved and accepted. In Christ at the same time. We cannot create this power. We cannot create this gospel. We can only receive it. When you look at Jesus Christ, then you will say, Oh, he died for other people, so weta, so good. But how can I how can I do it? I'm not like him. But when you see Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you, for you, for you, you personalize it, then you realize that it is possible the more you ponder the cross, both as an example and both as an inspiration because it is at the cross Christ died for you, the God who became man. Then you begin to appreciate the joy and the freedom able to let go of yourself and then say, yes, I can consider the needs of others. I can be secure because I've experienced that love. That love. And therefore, I'm proud of the cross. I'm proud of the sign." It's humiliating because it is for me. It is for me. Jesus Christ, He did it for you. Jesus Christ serves you. Jesus Christ sacrificed for you. And finally, Jesus Christ, He glorifies the Lord. In fact, God glorified, exalted Him to who? To the glory of God the Father. Let me read to you verse 9 to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ, he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. You see the subject change here. The first part, they all talk about the Son, but here it talks about God the Father exalting the Son to His glory. And then He received a name that is above every name. Receive In fact, Jesus Christ, He prayed, Oh Father, glorify me in Your presence with the glory I had before the earth began. This exaltation here, I believe could refer to the resurrection, ascensions and the glorification where Christ seated finally got seated at the right hand of God. Some say this name, Jesus, is also, Jesus if, uh, in Jewish means Jehovah save, It's also the name of Jehovah. Where Isaiah 45, verse 22, uh, 18 to 25, depict this. Let's take the next verse. Next slide. I am the Lord, or Yahweh. There's no one else besides me. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by myself. And to me, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. Every tongue will swear allegiance. The name of Jesus Christ, the name of Jehovah too, is a position of supremacy and dominion. Above every name. Above every name. So what Paul is trying to say here, don't worry if you put others first. If you put others first, if you humble yourself, don't worry. At the right timing, God will exalt you. Just as He has exalted Christ, God will exalt you. When? I don't know. But God promised you exalt because Christ He has exalted. And because of Christ's uh, sacrifice, the exaltation of Christ is tremendous. Because he mentioned here every knee. As if every knee is not enough. He even go further. Which every? Every in heaven, every on earth, and every under the earth, talking about hell. Means that everyone, one day, willingly, or will be made willingly, and bow before the name of Jesus Christ. And it is at this name, that today, we are gathered here. We have this privilege. And each time when you pray in Jesus' name, remember the power, the authority, the glory of this name. The name above every name. Every time you mention the name of Jesus, you pray in the name of Jesus. Let us not forget this. Let us not forget this. It is a powerful name. But this name, Jesus Christ, exalted to the glory of God the Father. When God exalts us, it's also to exalt His name because God is the one who deserves all these things. And as you see the more about Jesus Christ, what He has done for you, it is not difficult to lay aside your your own rights, your own interests, and then put us first, earthly squabbles and differences, and say, okay, this time, or all the time, most of the time, I will look at your interests, I will put aside mine. It is difficult, yes. But the more you ponder on the cross, the more the cross can change you. And God promised He will exalt you at the proper time. So today, as you sat here, look at your family relationship, your relationship with your spouse. Sometimes that could be the most difficult, to humble yourself. Yours truly, will be the first one. And look at the relationship with your parents, some of you with your children, some of you with your friends, some of you with your CG, in the church community, some in your workplace, is it difficult to put aside your self-interest? If it's difficult, it is time to go back again and ask for a fresh understanding, an appreciation about Christ's death on the cross for you, for you, for you. And That's what we want to end. I'll invite the musicians We want to end by praising and worshipping the Lord for for He is the one who sacrificed for us. He is the one that today we want to exalt. And as we sing this song, let us just sing with a heart of appreciation of what Christ has done for you. At the same time, let us sing and declare with victory that at this name, every knee should bow, every tongue confess in heaven, on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is, he is the Lord and He is my Lord. He is my Lord. Let us just bow before the Lord where you are and say, God, thank you. You're doing it all for me. It's for me. Yes, it's for others. But it's also for me. It's my sin that you die. It's my life that you bought over. His name. And today we bear His name. Today we know His name. Therefore we can cherish the cross. Let us rise as we end with this song. Exalt the Lord Jesus Christ for this cross. lift your voices and say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Just tell the Lord Jesus Christ your appreciations, appreciation of His love for you, how He died for you, how He carried you, how He rose again from you, how He was exalted to the glory of the Father. And let's just worship the Lord and His God. Your name is above every name. Yes, Lord, for the name above every name. Let's claim the power in His name, the healing in His name, the comfort in His name, the strength in His name, the assurance in His name. Let's claim the name of Jesus exalt His name.
1: Yes, Lord, Father. Thank you that your name Father, has come. That your name has come. That your name has come. That your name has come.
0: Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. This afternoon, we thank you. Thank you that today we can know, I'm reminded again what you have done for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. You didn't think about yourself; you think about us. You're willing to lay aside, lay aside, your God, your deity, just for us. You became a man just for us. You became a servant just for us. You died for us, even death on the cross just for us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let's give us hope. Let's give us assurance. And I pray that God, we will embrace His Father, not just in the mind, but in our hearts each day, each moment, so that God, we can dare to consider the interests of others knowing that, God, you will exalt us at the proper time because you have exalted Christ and you've given us this name to be with us, the name above every name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. And we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.
1: Hallelujah.